0: Now, have you ever felt like somebody has been reading your mail? Like, you know, they start explaining something and then you think, how in the world did you know that about me? Well, when it comes to the issue of pornography in the church today, author and researcher Samuel Perry and his new book, Addicted to Lust, has kind of been reading our mail. And so he argues that we are addicted to lust. Now, not so much the fact that we're all addicted to the issue of lust, but that the topic of lust, it's something we talk about. It it can dominate Christian circles. And I found this book to be fascinating. And let me tell you why. First, author Samuel Perry is not a Christian, but at the same time, he doesn't hate Christians as a researcher. So he didn't write this book to tell us how stupid we are. That was kind of a breath of fresh air. And secondly, he's also not pro-pornography. So he even says that He doesn't see any benefit to pornography in the life of a user so one of the reasons i found this book so fascinating is because i've been involved in the church for pretty much my whole life and so most of my training and my research on the issue of pornography in the church has come from within the church i'm in the box and here researcher samuel perry he's outside the box and he takes an outside perspective and a fresh lens to the issue of this topic and primarily he's focusing on conservative protestants And here's what he says about the church and our issue with pornography. There's a paradox that conservative Protestants both morally reject and regularly view pornography. Is in some ways an inevitable consequence for a subculture that repudiates the sexual mores of the dominant culture while simultaneously and quite intentionally refusing to disengage from that culture, particularly in terms of technology and media consumption. So hey, let's be honest. The issue of pornography is a huge issue in the church today, and I'm gonna do a new series where I cover each chapter in his book. So the first one, which is the video you're watching right now, is gonna cover how the church has gone from offense, where we viewed pornography as something that's out there in the culture, to defense, where we've realized, hey, this is in our lives, this is in the church today. And we'll talk about today in this video how that switch has occurred. The second chapter comes from the issue of masturbation, where the church can often be divided. Is it a sin or isn't it a sin? Chapter 3 is titled The War of the Soul, which I found to be a little ironic, because actually right over my shoulder here, you can see a study that I wrote called The War of the Soul. But he uses that title. It comes from 1 Peter 2.11, and he talks about how this is something that we're really struggling with, and it can bring mental health crisis, depression, anxiety, and these things into the life of a Christian. In fact, a lot of Christians, we would say how we're doing spiritually has to do with how we're doing with the issue of sexual purity or pornography. Chapter four actually covers women and pornography. It's often been communicated that this is a men's only issue, but does the research actually indicate that? Chapter five, marriage and porn. How does porn affect a Christian marriage? And then finally, chapter six, where he really breaks down what are the things that actually work? to help somebody with the issue of pornography. Well, this is Jason for Soulfire here on this channel where we do wanna offer gospel hope for a porn-filled world and I want to encourage you that integrity is possible. Now, it's not easy and the research from this book is gonna show us why, but it definitely is possible. All right, so here we go in part one and we're gonna cover the following things. How did we go from offense to defense on the issue of pornography in the church? Is it a gospel misunderstanding when somebody is struggling with pornography? and the three dominant narratives that the church uses to describe the issue of pornography today. And believe it or not, there's actually some good news in this research. So that may be a shocker, but we'll talk about some good news that the research indicates. And finally, we've got to cover the addiction paradigm. We tend to throw the addiction word out. Are we correct in using that terminology? So let's get started. Now he opens the book talking about a conference that took place in 2016. It was called the Set Free Summit. Interestingly enough, I was there. In fact, if you look at the sword over here on above my right shoulder, there's a name tag hanging down there. Maybe you've noticed that if you watch some of my other videos. Sometimes it's there. Sometimes I take it off. But that name tag is actually from the Set Free Summit. So I was there. Turns out Samuel Perry was there doing his research as well. And this was Josh McDowell's quote from the Set Free Summit. He said, I would personally say from all of my knowledge now that pornography is probably the greatest threat to the cause of Christ in the history of the world. It's that serious. And so part of the introduction to this book is saying, is this actually that big of a deal? That's how it's often being communicated. And again, here's what he says. The conclusion of that summit was that the leaders at that summit said, pornography is destroying Christian families and the witness of the church. It is horrifyingly addicting viewing porn directly supports sexual violence, including rape and child sex trafficking. And the only hope is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you believe those things are true? Is pornography doing that much damage in the world today? Well, we can talk about that, and I think that's something to kind of wrestle with. That was the main message of the Set Free Summit. Now, I thought the Set Free Summit was actually awesome, so shout out to Josh McDowell and the team over at Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes was a sponsor of that summit, but there was some excellent teaching and some excellent resources there. Overall, as he opens up this book, he says, here's the reality and how we're communicating about the issue of pornography. Christians are losing the personal battle with pornography. And one of the ways you see that, that the research shows that there is almost no distinction between what Christians and non-Christians watch. Now that is not good news as we as the church are supposed to be holy, distinct, and set apart. And maybe that's a good opportunity for all of us to look in the mirror and say, does the media that I consume, is there any difference in my life from someone who does not say that Jesus is their Lord? And if the answer is no, then it is a great opportunity to submit your viewing habits to the Lordship of Christ. But yet we are very divided on the issue of pornography. The research shows a lot of Christians are struggling with it, but here's the tension. He says that we hate it. And yet we view it. So what is it? How can we answer that question? How are we stuck in something that we say that we hate? And part of that paradox comes from this issue of our heart versus our body. And so he says that in the church today, we tend to emphasize our heart, that the heart is really all that matters. And I think you could try to make a case on the importance of the heart, taking the words of Jesus, for example, in Matthew 5. So he said, it's not enough to just not have adultery. But if you look at a woman lustfully, you've essentially already done it in our heart. And he pointed frequently to the Pharisees who on the outside, they had everything looking really good. But he challenged them, no, you must clean the heart first. So what this book brings up is to ask the question of, well, have we gone too far? Have we actually said that the only thing that matters is the heart and what you actually do with your body doesn't matter? And in regard to this, he says that the conservative Protestant church has a weak theology of the body. And he points us back to that Set Free Summit in 2016 where the speaker who gave the workshop for the theology of the body, he was actually a Catholic priest and not even in the conservative Protestant denomination. Let me know what you think in the comment section. Do we have a weak theology of the body? Are you hearing people teach in the conservative Protestant church that what you do doesn't matter, the only thing that actually matters is your heart? I mean, there's almost a hint of Gnosticism there, like you see in the book of 1 John, where he talks about there are some false teachers saying what you do with your body doesn't matter because your body is physical. And so if we continue to struggle with it, it gets us to the point The second thing that I see in this chapter is it's simply a gospel misunderstanding if you struggle with sin. So here's a quote from page 15. He says, Therein lies a tremendous tension. Continuing in sin without guilt or shame shows that you do not fully understand the gospel, but so does beating yourself up over the sin in your life. Now, certainly, what we'd like to see is no sin in our life, but if we have a consistent and persistent sin, On the one hand, if you do it without guilt, we'd say, do you truly understand the gospel? On the other hand, if you do it and you're beating beating yourself up, we'd say, do you truly understand the gospel? You see, we want to bring these struggles and these issues straight to the cross of Jesus, where his life death and resurrection is the forgiveness for our sins and and at the same time is empowering us to live a life of freedom from sin. And so there's this tremendous tension as pornography has invaded the church and that's one of the reasons that we talk about it and struggle with it so much. Well, hey, if you're getting value out of this video, before I jump to the next point, would you hit the like button for me? That would really help the channel to grow and it helps the message of this video get spread. Well, what changed the game, what forced us to go from offense, thinking porn's out there, to defense, knowing, hey, porn is in here in the church was, you guessed it, drum roll, the internet, right? So the internet changed everything. Now, if you're around my age, uh, you definitely lived that out. If you're younger today, say in your teens or twenties, then you've been living in this internet age for perhaps your entire life. But you see the internet, what it did was, it brought pornography into all of our homes and then eventually now with our smartphones, it is in the palm of our hands. So he says the cultural and technological tidal wave that has simultaneously placed limitless, free, anonymous porn into the hands of every Christian with a smartphone. So this tidal wave has happened. I have lived this. I don't know that pornography is something I would have necessarily struggled with before the internet came around, and the reason for that is, you know, I had too much shame to go into a gas station and buy it, but when it became anonymous, when it became on the internet, it was extremely easy to fall into. And the problem with falling into that, getting exposed to that, is he talks about the Christian view of escalation, and that is that pornography use tends to escalate. What can start as some small maybe some softcore pornography can escalate to more and more and more and that might be why we tend to use the term addiction we'll get to that here in just a second but let me know what you think do you think pornography use escalates now i would say it doesn't seem to always escalate in in the conversations that i've had with people some people can dabble just a few times and kind of stay more on that soft core level but a lot of times it does escalate now when you talk about addictions if this is a true addiction The term we use is tolerance, that what gave you a certain high over time, you will begin to tolerate, and you will need more and increased amounts of that drug. And so the idea of tolerance or escalation, they kind of go hand in hand. So how then does the church talk about the issue of pornography? He points out three general narratives, and I'm gonna tell you about which one we tend to use today in the church. So the first one is the issue of traditional values, that family values, scriptural values, personal purity. You know, there's a message there that, hey, this is traditionally how we want to and how you should live your lives. But realistically, that's not something that we talk about a lot today. The second narrative is the issue of public performer harm. Now, I've talked about this before on this channel where we need to consider love of our neighbor. Is it loving of our neighbor to consume pornography if in the porn industry, there's exploitation, there's drugs, there's abuse, there's violence, there's all these themes that we don't want to take part of. So he talks about the public performer harm narrative. And lastly, he talks about the personal user harm, that is what are the consequences on the user of pornography, and so there can be consequences we we think about addiction, depression, something that is really prevalent seen even outside the church is the issue of porn-induced erectile dysfunction, where it can be causing significant problems even for you to be able to engage in a sexual relationship with another person. And as I think about these three narratives, it's kind of funny for me to reflect on how have I seen these narratives all over this channel with the content that I have been producing, and I think I've really touched on all three of these at various times. But he says currently about 80% of Christian communication on the issue of pornography is from that personal viewer harm, that we have tended to view this as, hey, this is something that's bad for you. Here's all the consequences in your life. And I think that's unfortunate because we are essentially trying to keep people out of something that is destructive, maybe particularly for selfish reasons, instead of thinking about it from Three different lenses. What is the relationship between you and God and how you should act? What is the relationship between you and your neighbor? How does pornography affect you loving your neighbor? And I think there's some good to the personal viewer harm. We certainly should talk about that, but I hate to see that we are neglecting the other two. But overall, the reason he says we're focusing on these narratives is because there's a general sense that we are losing the war with pornography. And I think that's true. As I have conversations with Christian leaders, there can often be a sense of overwhelm. Like, what are we going to do if so many people are consuming this content? But hey, would you believe that the research actually shows that there's some good news out there? So for all of you who Think we've lost the war and there's a lot of doom and gloom. It was interesting to see he's got a, a table and a chart from the 80s to 2014 that shows the use of pornography among two particular groups. And so it was a research on the percentage of men who viewed an x-rated film, and on the one hand you've got the everyday American men, and on the other hand you have Protestant men who believe the Bible is the Word of God. So it's a subgroup of Christians, Christians who were who willing to say, I believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. Now, the good news from that table was it actually shows that those men have resisted the impact of the internet on their increased pornography use. He says, unlike those who simply affiliate with a fundamentalist or an evangelical denomination, conservative Protestant men for whom their faith is more meaningful and authoritative seem to be resisting the growing trend among American men to view porn, even in the midst of of the internet revolution. Now that's some good news. So even with the internet coming in, those who are taking their faith more seriously seem to have shown some resistance in terms of the statistics. That's good news, hey, that's great. But one of the things that he points out is, those of us who are in the space of talking about pornography, we tend to be a little bit pessimistic. And so we even see a chart like that and we begin to doubt it. We are skeptical of research that doesn't indicate that this is an epidemic. Now, really, that's an issue of something called sensationalism. That is being sensationalist about a topic. And, you know, we see our politicians do this all the time. So whatever they're thing is that they wanna get a law passed about, they say it is an epidemic, it's a global epidemic, and so they use that type of terminology. And so every issue isn't just a problem that we should address, rather they be sensational about it and they say, this is the biggest issue if we don't do something, you know, we're all gonna die. And I have tried to resist the temptation to talk about pornography in those sensationalist terms. I know in the past, I definitely was. So have some fun on my channel, go back to some of my earlier videos and see if I was a little bit more sensationalist. I think pornography is a issue, and that's one of the reasons I have this channel. But I don't want to say this is the biggest issue and this is the only issue. If you do that, people tend to kind of tune you out if you're constantly saying the sky is falling and this is the worst thing ever. I want to talk about it in a way that is accurate, in a way that talks about the data. And so he points out that in Covenant Eyes' research project with Barna, where they did the porn phenomenon, Some of the statistics in there weren't as bad as most of us were expecting, and he said there was a sense of resistance from the Christian leaders that they would try to make excuses for why that possibly could be, instead of seeing that it was actually some good news. So in a lot of ways, the church has shifted from optimism that we had in the 70s or 80s that we could win the war against pornography, and now a little bit pessimistic, that it is inevitable, that it is simply something that we can't do much about. But that brings me to the last thing I want to talk about today, and that is the addiction paradigm. Are we correct as Christians to use the term addiction when it comes to the issue of pornography? So he says, describing habitual pornography use as an addiction and embracing related terminology of sobriety, detox, recovery, triggers, and relapse has become ubiquitous in conservative Protestant literature on sexual sin and pornography use in particular. So is... Pornography use and addiction. Well, you know, for a long time I have been saying, yes, I do tend to use that word and it's a divisive thing and so, does the mental health literature say that pornography is addiction how do we define the issue of an addiction but here's a few reasons i have tended to use that term one the neuroscience on the brain what it is showing that pornography can do to the brain secondly would be you know my experience as i think through my story as i remember back at times when i would have said that i was addicted to pornography there are seasons in my life where i can remember having such a strong draw to something like pornography, where there were certainly times when it seemed like I was lacking the willpower to say no. And it's something that you can kinda get stuck in a rut with and you can use to medicate your issues. So let me know in the comment section whether you think pornography is actually an addiction. This is something that we're gonna have to debate. Maybe I can make some more videos in the future talking about that issue. And here's one of the reasons, let me give you some pros and cons of using language like an addiction. So the pro, if somebody is willing to say, hey, I'm an addict, this is something I'm addicted to. I think my hope was always that that meant you would take it more seriously. But he actually presents a con, and the con would be this. If you say, I have an addiction, are you then more likely to say, well, I have an addiction. There's nothing I can do about it. And it then actually becomes an excuse to continue diving into pornography. Now, that was, I think, good for me to hear. I had never considered people using the term addiction as an excuse to stay stuck in their sin. But what does the research actually say? It says committed Christians are not more likely to watch pornography than other Americans. They're consistently more likely to label themselves addicted to pornography. I think that makes sense. And the reason I think that that makes sense is, is that it really should bother us. We should have a sense of if we are trying to follow Jesus and be committed to him and then at the same time we're engaging in this stuff, That should really bother us. And if we continue to do that, it's understandable why we would use the term addiction. You see, the guilt and the shame that we are experiencing, these uncomfortable emotions from looking at pornography, can be one of the things that we desire to medicate. And it can become an addictive process where you have those feelings and you want to medicate those feelings. So the way I've tended to communicate about pornography is that it becomes a medication to numb and to cover any uncomfortable emotions that you have and in that way it becomes the medicine of choice and you get, get into the habit of whenever you're feeling those uncomfortable emotions you run to your addictive force Pornography is a powerful medication to cover the things that you're struggling with. But the good news about that, if it's an addiction, is that all the science today on addictions is saying that you can break it, that there could be changes. Your brain can be, as it says in Romans 12 2, renewed. We can see transformation. And, you know, my story is one example, but there's loads of stories out there of people you you can hear talk about believing they had an addiction to pornography and walking in freedom. But that journey can be extremely difficult. But one of the cons of using this kind of sensationalist language and the addiction paradigm is that often the church feels ill-equipped to deal with it. And so he talks about that in the book, how we then try to outsource it. So there's all these parachurch ministries that are addressing issues of pornography. Think of covenant eyes, think of pure desire ministries, ministries like that. And we rely on counselors. So somebody struggles with pornography, and our immediate response is, man, you need counseling. And so we're outsourcing them outside of the church. Now, one of the issues with that is if you need counseling to deal with the issue of pornography, then here's what I would say about that there are not enough counselors in the world to address this issue. I firmly believe that men and women in the church are equipped and capable to come alongside their brothers and sisters who are struggling with this issue. You may need to get a little bit of training. You may need to kind of hop in there scared and just dive in and try to help some people. The church is equipped to present the gospel to those of us who struggle with the issue of pornography because this is exactly what the gospel is for. The gospel is for sinners. This is a particularly difficult stronghold, but that is what the gospel is for. God has been in the business of redeeming brokenness for as long as there has been brokenness. So in summary then, we have shifted from offense to defense. Pornography is no longer something that's out there in the culture that we need to talk about. He does a great job in this first chapter breaking down how, hey, this is something that is among us. So let me know, do you see a defensive posture in your church, are we trying to constantly be reactive to what's going on with the issue of pornography? Definitely want to encourage you, subscribe if you want to see part two coming out. We're going to talk about the issue of masturbation. It's a gray area. Some people think it's fine. Other people would say it's a sin. And why is it something that the church is divided on? I will talk about that next week. The link to this book, if you want to check it out, is in the description. Highly recommended. There's some awesome research in there. Well, this is Jason for Soul Fire here on this channel. We want to offer gospel hope for a porn-filled world. I will catch you in the next one.